What is going on, fellow chatters? Today on the show, I get a chance to chat with sports commentator and TV personality Mark Hebsher. We chat about the famous or infamous Hebsey Awards, his current adventure in podcasting, and his new book that will be coming out early next year. The coffee that is along for the ride today is a dark roast from Tim Hortons. And now, here is Mark Hebsher. Well, thanks for sitting down with me today, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jason. How are you? I'm I'm actually pretty good. Actually, pretty pumped that I get to, uh, a moment to sit down and chat with you. Uh, to be honest, I am a huge fan. Growing up, my friends and I would tape the Hebsey Awards every week, and then for the rest of the week, we would play it when we were over at each other's houses. And it got to the point where we would actually know the script off by heart. Oh, that's great because there never was there never was a script with well, the we, Hebsey Awards. Well, exactly, but we know like exactly like what was said and when and it was kind of like that for about i don't know four, four or five years at least yeah i never watched those back but uh from the reaction i used to get from jim taddy and from the crew uh, i knew we must have been doing something right because we got people to laugh and, and really the, the whole intention to the hebsey awards was to get jim and the crew to laugh because <laughs> if they would laugh then i i knew for sure that people watching at home were, would be laughing too now, did you ever feel like like you would want to put together a collection of the Hebsey Awards on video? You know, I did a long, long time ago before Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em. But the only thing is distributorship. And I, that wasn't my forte. So I really didn't like I could perform them and write them and produce them and such like that. But after that, I didn't you know, we didn't know what to do with it. And did Global own the rights? And were they in a position where they wanted to make tapes out of it? So we sort of tried it. And um, but I think what happened was people just made their own basement tapes, <laughs> kind of like we we did, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like at the Grateful Dead concerts yeah. where they would say, you know, go ahead and you can record us, you know, we'll let you, and then they, people would sort of swap tapes. So that's that's what happened with the Hebsey Awards. Is you know people would just uh, if they couldn't stay up that late, they would record it, or even if they did, they would record it anyway, just so they could sort of watch it back, or like you say, show it to their friends. And in fact. The Detroit Red Wings used to um, tape the Hebsey Awards. Their coaches, Colin Campbell and Dave Lewis, were the assistant coaches at the time. And they used to live in Windsor. And so they would tape Global from Windsor. And then the next morning, they would bring it in and they'd put it on the VHS machine while the players were working out on their bikes or doing their stretches or whatever. And they would watch the Hebsey Awards. And all the American reporters, the guys from Detroit, were going, hey, where are these guys? Because we had all the hockey Hebsey Awards, which any hockey fan from the States, you know, they crave those types of things. Oh, yes. For sure. And, oh, man. If and that I could, stuff's if, gold. It's worth a lot of money. I think those tapes are worth a lot of money. Yeah. If I could find those tapes, oh, <laughs> I'd be swimming in money. Now, I, I will say one thing, one phrase that is forever burned in my brain, and I forever use it all the time, constantly, is right in the Pisneris. You like that, that one, huh? That, that just stuck with me forever. And when anything happens like that, that's the first thing that pops out of my mouth. Of course, everyone around me is like, what are you talking about? And the one person would be like, hey, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? That was not planned at all. It was just, I mean, it's a Yiddish word, and it means like the groin area, right? Uh, the region, the nether yeah. regions. And just, but, it, but, but there's a lot of words in Yiddish that sound great. That if you've never heard the word, you go, well, that sounds interesting. And it sort of sounds like it is, if that makes any sense yeah. at all. 
Um, so just hearing the word, you know, matching it up with a, a picture of somebody getting, you know, getting hit in the, you know, in the nether regions with a tennis ball or a hockey puck or whatever the case is. It fits. The word Fisneris fits. It's not even a, it's not an English word. It's, it's a Yiddish word. I, I don't even know how to spell it in English, but it sounds good and it works. So well, he's putting I'm glad, it. I'm glad you use it. <laughs> I was putting it in like in, in my, my show topics. I'm like, I don't even know how to spell that word, but. Right. I, I, That's the beauty of it. You can spell it, you can spell it however you want. And you can also pronounce it however you want, because I'm sure the word was pronounced differently depending oh. on whatever dialect of, you know, from whatever part of the world that they were from, you know, it's so, yeah, anyway, good. And of course, being on, and being on global, you had to sort of PG words that, uh, or phrases that you might, uh, otherwise not want to. Well, let me, I'll give you an example. You didn't know it at the time, but I swore like a sailor, uh, when I used to be on Sportsline, but in a different language. So <laughs> the people that did understand it were not my bosses or their bosses. The ones that did get it laughed like crazy and, and, you know, didn't call the TV station to go, you know, Mark Hepsher swearing in another language. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of like that word, you know, the word for really is sort of, a, it's like a blue word, really. It's, you know, you can, you can imagine, you know, if someone were to be saying it in a certain way that it would, you know, not be a, a nice word to use, but me using it on Sportsline with music going and Jim laughing and the crew laughing. It works. It all works. Now, doing Sportsline, did TSN have a, a challenge or effect on how you guys did the broadcast, or did you just do it how you thought was best to do I'm sorry, Sportsline. TSN? Yes. No, they had nothing to do with it. They weren't even – geez, when I started on Sportsline, I don't even know if there was a TSN, and if there was – um, no, no, we did our own thing. We didn't take into any consideration. We were not the least bit concerned with, there was no other show like ours. So there was, you know, we were, you know, we were the ones dipping our toes into the water. Like, let's try this format mm-hmm. Two pe- two guys, you know, yakking away, doing voicing over the highlights. So TSN had no effect whatsoever. And in fact, I think what happened was, if I'm not mistaken, they came after us. They tried to go up against us and then realized that maybe they should shift their show to 11 p.m. Because we were on at 11.30. Yeah. And I think we were probably murdering them. And they said, well, why should we go against this juggernaut of Mark and Jim on Sportsline with their built-in audience? Let's just do our own kind of thing at 11 o'clock, men in blazers, you know, and doing. Plus, they did a national sportscast. Like their lead story might be the Edmonton Oilers. Our lead story was always a Toronto story. Never in Edmonton or a Cal. Who cares? Like I live in Toronto. What, what do I care? Even people that you know lived in Ontario, because Global was Ontario. So we might have some, you know. Um, well, the Ottawa Senators didn't come in until 92. my later years there. Yeah. So we might add some Montreal stuff, but never. If it was Leafs, always Jays, always uh, Raptors when they eventually came along. Argos, you know, it was always Toronto. Your Toronto-based teams first and foremost. So we didn't care about it, but TSN had to. They had they were a national network, so they had to. Yeah. They had to appease the crybabies in Vancouver who were like, "It's the Toronto Sports Network," because everything happened in Toronto, you know. And these places like Regina that get, you know, they have a football team they follow for like eight home games a year, and that's it. Toronto's totally different. Toronto has two teams that represent an entire country. The Jays. Ever since day one, not not just Toronto, represented the whole country. With all apologies to the Expos, Toronto eventually became and still has been Toronto. And the Raptors, 
with all apologies to the late lamented Grizzlies, are Canada's NBA team. That's very different than a regional team you're representing. You're representing the entire country. Big, big deal. And they're based in Toronto. So Toronto deserves to get more credit and more publicity and, and more time on the air because they're bigger and they're better. And that's the way I, we always looked at it on Sportsline. And that's the way I look at it on my podcast. It's, what do I care about Winnipeg? Now I, know I, don't get up in the mor- I don't get up in the morning saying, what happened to the Blue Bombers? What happened to the Jets? I never, never do and never will. Now I know for me and 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 especially like my friends like it was it wasn't the sports why we watched it it was you two and how you worked together like you could have done you know I don't know a whole show on watching a drier dry clothes and it would have been funny. <laughs> oh, we could have made that funny. You're right. <laughs> we could have made that funny. Yeah, listen the i the idea was. It always very simply, Jim and I had this similar idea. You want it to be like you're going down into the basement, watching a game with a couple of your buddies, having a beer, or you're at the bar and you're sitting watching a game with a bunch of your buddies and you're commenting on it. That's really what it came down to, and that's all it was. Now you, you you've seen the industry definitely change from when you started to nowadays, where anyone can just throw on a camera and put up on YouTube and have a sports show. What do you think uh, sort of announcers or journalists coming into the business nowadays, is there any sort of advice or sort of what they can do that you can offer? No, there really isn't. Um, It's the wild west now. Um, I think that, you could be really, really good and really passionate about being a broadcaster, a sports broadcaster, a sports journalist, a, a sports presenter, however you wanted to put it, whatever role you were looking to do. And there's just a lot of obstacles. And the built-in obstacles are that all of these places are looking for one type of person, and that is they want a female, a young female. If they can get a young female into their business, um, and it doesn't matter if it's in front of the camera, behind the camera, they want more females, all right? They're trying, actually probably going, the pendulum has swung maybe too far the other way, some people might say, where more and more females are being encouraged, being um, not, not coerced, but almost being begged to please come into the business. We want you. They want to make it uh, as easy as possible for them to be able to enter the sports broadcasting, sports journalism business to make up for all the years where they were not welcome. So that's right off the bat. If you're a white guy and you're an older white guy, you've, you're, you're not going to get a call back. You're not going to be considered for a job. But if you're a young female uh, and you happen to be a young female of color and you happen to be a young female of color who is, uh, has a disability, uh, then your chances are much, much greater. How's that? That Yeah, well, I guess it is, it is the Wild West. And uh, for some, it, it, it isn't an opportunity anymore. But, I mean, I guess you can definitely make try and sort of make yourself stand out to the rest of the crowd. Yeah, I'm not sure that's as – I'm not sure that means as much now. I think the chances, I mean, I was, I was a personality, but I had started in radio 
and I developed a very successful phone in radio show before before there was ever sports radio. I did two hours a night and it was open phone and it was interview and it could get pretty outrageous and pretty heated. And not a lot of people want to have someone like that working for them nowadays because it's too, we're, we're too politically correct and we're too um, corporate owned. There's just too many things to worry about that you're going to offend someone or you know, a sponsor will be upset or they'll pull their sponsorship or, you know, the corporate, you know, um, image is going to suffer some kind of a hit. So unfortunately, the way I look at it is I think a lot of people are being denied some really talented people. I'm not talking about myself. There's some really talented people out there. They were just a little bit different, outrageous, colorful, controversial that, you know, that, that, that people don't want to take a chance on someone like that. And so the viewer, the, consumer suffers so you got a lot of vanilla you got a lot of people that talk the same sound the same pretty much are saying the same kind of things and um but but there's diversity but there isn't um still not the same personality i think some of the personalities kind of getting lost in the shuffle now do you think that pendulum will swing back to never sort of... never no never it's just gonna stay no. out there i think so i think this is the new way I think I think um, I think yeah, I think you're gonna you you won't be surprised in I don't know twenty years twenty five years where all the where women will hold down all the key jobs in sports broadcasting, especially sports journalism maybe to a lesser extent, but sports broadcasting yeah I think it's gonna be uh, I think the women are gonna are gonna run the show. That might not be a bad thing, but. No, it's not a bad thing. And remember, too, that any woman that's working now in sports broadcasting for sure had to work twice as hard to get to the job than a man. Because you not only did you have to know as much as all the guys, Mm -hmm. you had to know more than the guys to even get a look or a sniff in the first place. For the most part, you still have to know your stuff. And a lot of these women don't get the credit for having the knowledge because it's assumed that the guy knows more than the woman. In those cases, a lot of these girls really know a tremendous amount and had to work that much harder, prove themselves, you know, against the guys, against the, you know, the, you know, the, the, the old white, uh, the old white guys kind of, what what does she know about sports? Well, Well, you know, yeah, even on Twitter, I just, I can catch, I catch, you know, like it even doesn't matter how much they prove that they know somebody thinks, oh, you still don't know what it, what sports is. (laughs) Yeah, you're always going to get you're always going to get that. Yeah. But uh, listen, I mean, you know, I think I think has it swung too far? Per- perhaps it has. Uh, is that a bad thing? Like you say, man, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it is for white guys, old white guys. But maybe it's not for young ladies that all that felt that they did not want to go into the sports broadcasting arena because it would just be too tough for them. And they might just end up being, you know, um, just another pretty face, which is not, you know, which I'm sure some women are OK with. But I would say the majority want to be want to have the job on merit, not on their looks. And now for you and, and others who, who love the personality and that individual uh, essence on in sports media, you now have your own podcast, Hebsey on Sports. Right. Number one on iTunes last week. Hey, that's not too bad. I guess I have the, really num- good. the number one guest. <laughs> are there any challenges in self-producing uh, 
uh, podcast? The challenge is you do all the work yourself. You write it, you come up with the topics. The, the beauty of it is it's what you want to talk about. It's something that you think people want to hear from someone else. They want to, like you say, they want to hear me. They want to hear my opinion. If I say to them, I don't want to talk about the CFL because I don't watch it and it doesn't interest me anymore, uh, then people know. They don't expect to hear anything about the CFL and they're not unhappy with it. They get it. So I get to do what I want and I get to structure the show the way I want and talk about the things that I want to talk about that I feel are interesting stories. And that's the beauty of it. But it's all me. There's nobody to turn to. I don't have a staff or anything like that. So I make the decisions on what I want to talk about. And uh, hopefully the listener enjoys it, is engaged and wants to listen to the next podcast. And then the next one after that, sort of a, you know, twice a week, what does Hebsey have to say about? Or I wonder if he's going to talk about this, the Hall of Fame, or I wonder if he's going to talk about oh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Or I wonder if he's going to talk about how great the Leafs are playing on the road without Austin Matthews. So I get to talk, and that's what I talked about like today. I dropped an episode today. You know, look at how well the Leafs are doing with Austin Matthews. Look at how well the Raptors are doing, even though Kawhi Leonard still hasn't figured out the offense. Look at how look at how great look at how great Morgan Riley is. He might be better than Eric Carlson. Stuff like that. And it seems to be working well, and I'm enjoying it. Well, that I guess that's the main thing is is when you are self-producing a podcast, you have to enjoy recording regularly and getting the content out there absolutely it's now, your choice it's your decision yes. you choose who you want on the show you choose what you want to talk about and hopefully the people that listen are are, are just as engaged now another thing you're you're, you're you're doing is coming out with a book uh can you tell us a little bit about it sure the book's called the greatest athlete you've never heard of it comes out in february on dundurn but you can order it you can pre-order it. The beautiful thing about, and I didn't know this because I haven't been an author, is you can go right now to uh, Amazon or Chapters Indigo and just punch in my name or the name of the book, and then uh, you can pre-order it. So that's pretty cool. So yeah, I just finished the book a while ago, and it's gone through all the editing stages, and it's ready to go. Uh, and it's about the first Canadian to win an Olympic gold medal. His name was George Washington Orton. In 1900, he won a gold medal in the 2,500-meter steeplechase. But nobody knew he was Canadian until well after his death. Not until the 1970s did some discover, an Olympic researcher discovered that he was born in Strathroy, Ontario, grew up in Ontario, went to the University of Toronto, set the record at the age of 18 for the world, the world record for the mile run, and had been crippled as a young boy, had not, couldn't walk until he was 10 years old, fell out of a tree and suffered a blood clot. So a remarkable story of inspiration and courage but also the fact that they thought he was an American because he had moved to the United States to go to the University of Pennsylvania after he had graduated from the University of Toronto. And he set all these records in Philadelphia while he was going to school there and became quite the citizen, quite the athlete, started hockey in Philadelphia. They had never played it down there. He introduced the sport and had the first arena built, was the father of hockey in Philly. And then many years after his death, they discovered he was Canadian. So I decided that I I never heard of this guy at all, and I... I did a documentary about him and then a book. Well, that seems really interesting. Definitely a book I want to check out. Uh, yeah, this guy was real. And I, you know what? It's like you're, I found out every day I found something new. And it was, like, it was like finding gold. But it was also like finding out about a long-lost relative that you, like, maybe you've, what if you found out your great-grandfather was an Olympic gold medalist? You had no idea. And then your mom said, oh, by the way, you didn't know this, but 
we just found out that he was a, like a like a gold medalist at the Olympics. Whoa. And so you'd want to know more. So I kind of treated it that way. Like he was sort of like my own relative and I didn't know anything about him. So it was a fascinating story. And I hope you read it. Did you get a chance to, to talk to any of his relatives? He has one living relative. She's 75 years old, lives in San Francisco, his great granddaughter. She has no children. Oh. She has no siblings. So once she passes away, that'll be it. No one will have ever known or told the story. She had some great pictures of him that I used in the documentary and in the book. She also had some of his medals. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really Dang. cool. And I and she had been married four times and changed her name every time. So to find her as a researcher was almost impossible. And I had given up. And then one day I got an email, and it's all in the book. That seems like a just definitely a really interesting story to to see your your sort of adventure on trying to reclaim his past. Yeah, and one interesting, really interesting thing, Jason, is the picture that was associated with him for a hundred years was not him all those years he was so obscure and the picture i found out from his granddaughter was was not him was actually a picture of his brother who had also gone to university of pennsylvania but but it was a few years younger than him and when the researchers went to find a picture of orton they they found a picture of the wrong orton the wrong guy now that imagine imagine being that famous and a gold medalist at the olympics and 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 also being that obscure now that seems like something that canada should definitely celebrate uh in the coming future they still don't recognize him they're uh, he's not recognized if you were to go to the websites they don't even have a picture of him or they've got the wrong picture of him (laughs) and he's in like seven halls of fame but nobody ever like met the guy like no one ever they sort of heard about his accomplishments and went, oh, maybe we should put him in the Hall of Fame. But they've got the wrong picture or, and they've got the wrong bio. They said they say that he um, they say that he actually um, ran for the United States, which is not true. The, the, you didn't run for your country back in those days. You ran yeah. for your school or your mm-hmm. your athletic club. So they mistakenly for years, the Toronto Stars, but for years saying he ran for the United States. He never ran for the United States. He wanted to run for Canada. But the Canadian authorities wouldn't they, they 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 didn't care about sports and athletics in those days. They were too busy building railroads for their new country and stuff like that. So they didn't care about sporting. There were no sports heroes. There were um, very few sports heroes in the 19th century. There was um, Ned Hanlon, who was a rower. And there was the strongman, Louis Sear, who could lift like 500 pounds with one finger. But that was it. So think about early Canadian sports heroes, early, early. This guy, George Washington Orton, was the greatest athlete you've never heard of. <laughs> but maybe we will now. Let's hope so. Yes. Now, with my guests, at the end of the interview or the chat, uh, we I have a fast five questions. It's five questions. First thing that pops in your head, give me the answer. Fire away. A guest you would like to have on your podcast. Oh, I don't have guests on my podcast, but if I did, I would want to have Sidney Crosby. Now, one athlete that you've never got a chance to interview but wanted to. Oh, man. Will Chamberlain. Poutine or pizza? Pizza. Favorite beer or alcoholic drink? Uh, favorite alcoholic drink. <laughs> it doesn't matter as long as it's a cold beer. Favorite place to pick up a shot of Java? Uh, I'd have to say Tim Hortons, man. I'm a Timmy's guy. Tim's is winning with my guess. Oh, Tim's is the Just, best. 
where can we find you on the internets? Well, here, go to hebsyonsports.com. So that's one word, hebsy, H-E-B-S-Y, onsports.com. And then if you've never listened to the show, you subscribe for free. You've got a link to my book. And um, there you go. Follow away and listen. We're on. I drop two shows a week, Monday mornings and Friday mornings. And it's about 35 minutes usually. And it's chock full of all the sports news you want with commentary, unfiltered. Uh, no Rogers, no Bell, no Chorus, no corporate people looking over my shoulder saying, you can't say that and you can't say this. I say what I want to say. Okay, well, I'll set everyone up with the links on the show notes when this podcast goes up. Thanks very much, Mark, for sitting down and having a little bit of a chat with me, sharing a little bit of your past and, and, and what you're doing now. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. Okay, have a good day. I would like to thank Mark Hebsher for chatting with me, and thanks to you for tuning in. And you can contact me on Twitter, at Jason Perrier. That's at Jason, P-E-R-R-I-E-R. And use the hashtag, Chance to Chat With, if there's someone who you want me to chat with. Until we chat again, I'm out. <laughs>